Welcome, everybody. This is Paul with the Discovery Podcast. We're going to be uh, talking about self-destructive behavior, and Ray is going to be doing the presentation. Go ahead and take the mic, Ray. Hey, thanks. Um, yeah, just wanted to talk a little bit about self-destructive behaviors um, and how it's linked to depression, something that uh, I've been looking at a little bit more closely recently in my life and uh, identified with a lot that I've learned about that uh, depression. And so we've talked about a lot of kind of related elements like uh, self-esteem, self-love, or the lack thereof in, in a lot of last uh, or previous episodes. But um, seeing how it ties to a lot of the childhood traumas and conditioning and uh, being aware of the effects that it can have like anything else, that helps see what you're dealing with and kind of where you're at. And that helps to figure out a path forward. And um, so I had been recently looking at holistic, you know, things to help like uh, natural um, herbs and things like that. And uh, a couple of things that I've come across, uh, ashwagandha, um, valerian root, things that I had heard about or maybe used uh, in the past sparingly, but just realizing experimenting with different things um, and looking at the effects of these different things uh, that these things have in our life. Depression can cause a lot of self-destructive patterns and behaviors and that's something that I dealt with for a long time, struggled with uh, always wanting to do what I have planned or what I believe is possible, but that, uh, you know, our own worst enemy, being ourselves, getting in our own way, sabotaging uh, everything that we do. It's got a lot, of, a lot of ties to depression, so I encourage anybody, if we have that feeling of, oh, I feel like I'm always working against myself or... Um, it, it, a lot of that is tied to feelings of just not being happy with who you are, with where you're at in life, your past, the, the, the identity that you associate with your, uh, the things that happened to you and how you were raised, things like that. So it's very important to, to take note of that, to be aware of that because I'm learning a lot of different ways to heal that part of my life, but it's taken to see that it's a thing that is affecting me at all. Because that's one of the things I'm looking at reading a book called Undoing Depression. I forget the name of the author, but what he talks about is the fact that a lot of people who suffer, you know, that's gone through childhood traumas and things like that, they learn these patterns to think like that, to feel like that, to behave like that, not in their own best interest, you know, risky behaviors, things like that. It's all tied together. And it's interesting to me from observation and studies that it all seems to be linked, you know, uh, like uh, 51% of people with depression explain experiences with anxiety, you know, so it's like, 
they're still not sure whether these are two separate things or just two sides of the same condition, all of which tends to be tied to behavioral development, uh, childhood traumas, things like that. And if a child is repeatedly shown that they're, uh, that nobody cares, that nobody's paying attention to this child's growth or success, that uh, the child is being neglected, they repeatedly ex- exposed to abuse, to all these patterns, it's going to have its consequence. And, you know, there's a bunch of different effects, but it all, it's, it's all what I have learned recently that it, it all can be and all fits nice and neatly under the umbrella of depression and it being a result of traumas, complex traumas, abuse, things like that, to be able to understand that cause and effect and be more aware of it helps to get to the bottom of it. One side that I was looking at recently just before it kind of crystallizing into the, um, you know, looking at depression a lot closer was the emotional, you know, a couple of episodes back about emotions and emotional abuse um, that a lot of men go through. Uh, specifically developing emotions and understanding, you know, emotional intelligence, being able to communicate what you're, what you're feeling, being able to know what you're feeling, to be able to communicate what you're feeling, be comfortable with that, uh, leads to a lot better um, interpersonal skills, you know, building healthy relationships and also understanding the emotions that other people are going through and not always just wanting to explain it away logically, you know, things like that. Also a part of that, uh, these things can exist separately, but a lot of these things are tied to depression, anxiety. People with social anxiety, you know, they're not going to be the ones developing the healthiest relationships and communicating their emotions uh, effectively and, being able to connect with people. And uh, if, if that's the case, then they, they tend to have prolonged negative feelings about themselves and about life and tend to, you know, underperform and not feel like they're living up to their potential. But uh, there's also, it's also a difficult thing to to navigate and to, you know, recover from especially the longer that people experience it and go through those patterns of conditioning. Um, so you, you also you have to have something to break up that monotony, in a sense, to break up that routine. If you don't break that routine, then you're not going to be able to create a new paradigm or you know, new patterns of behavior. You really have to learn how to be healthy learn what it would feel like and, and come to terms with that as your new self. And you, you also got to break up those old patterns to be able to do that. You know, I've, uh, I've also been in, in addition to a lot of the uh, herbal things and natural remedies, I've been, I've been introduced to another thing that microdosing. And, you know, I, I don't know whether to say what, are not on this podcast, you know, I don't know who all is listening, but if anyone's interested, they can get with me on the side about it. But I think it's very much 
a powerful influence and factor on a lot of my recent changes. So I can't, it's hard for me to just say, uh, you know, just got to power through it. I don't know how that look, what that looks like because I've been trying to power through it all my life. But my experiment, my, uh, experimentation with microdosing has been that it, it helps tremendously to break up that pattern. It, uh, it seems to put a lot of things into balance, you know, energetically, emotionally, mentally, physically. And there's studies that, that you know, it's, it's pr- shown tremendous support of neurogenesis and learning. It, the effects that it's showing on the brain is that it's helping to stimulate areas that through depression have become apathy. You know, we, uh, I believe it's the prefrontal cortex, certain parts of our brain begin to shrink. And people that have depression over long-term, you know, long periods of time show brain damage, significant brain damage, and areas of the brain responsible for decision-making and responsible rational judgment, these things have become smaller and and weaker in the person who doesn't use it as much, you know, which makes sense. And we see that in anything else in anything else. But, um, that, that has been, that has been a significant influence on my, uh, changes that even in this last week, I don't know how I could have done it otherwise, but I, I believe there are ways. I just don't know them. So, we're talking about solutions to depression. As of now, if we're just talking about studies and research, there's SSRIs, which I'm not sure the actual words for that. I think something to do with serotonin, um, something inhibitors, but they're uh, the typical antidepressant use that's showing all sorts of risks, side effects, one of those being suicide you know that's one of the side effects of using an antidepressant prescribed by big pharma is it would cause suicidal thoughts which is probably the reason most people are looking for antidepressants and showing brain damage the nerve the with the neurons that uh are the receptors to like serotonin and uh or dopamine or the the feel-good chemicals they cause people to lead, live, you know, live a healthy life and be able to enjoy themselves and enjoy their environment. They shrink over time using these uh, antidepressants, and when the person stops using them, their brain is even worse at being able to communicate these feelings, these these uh, these emotions of joy or satisfaction and things like that. Re- you know, requiring them to use the antidepressants even more causing even further damage. It's a vicious cycle. And as far as antidepressants, you know, that's, that's really all they've got to experiment with. Uh, ketamine is a, is a big thing. There's still studies being done on, which is also, it's a, it's a psychedelic. But, um, they're doing other studies now. They've done a lot of studies in the past, like on LSD, psilocybin for mushrooms, and uh, the, the, the results are just mind-blowing that we haven't. And I guess in some states and things, we are starting to, you know, 
relax on some of that stuff a bit. But anyhow, it's definitely something where my main point, you know, with this whole message is for people to look into uh, and get in connect, you know, connect with themselves and how they feel about their body and think in regards to nature when it comes to healing, thinking of ways that both through your actions, you know, meditation, through after listening to affirmations, doing your uh, self-love uh, exercises in the mirror, these sorts of things, but also being mindful of what you're putting into your body. And there's, also, there's a lot of herbs and supplements that can really help with that balance that we look to strike in our life. Drinking, drinking a lot of water, you know, that's one thing that a lot of people overlook, but it's important, you know, and that's another form to me. It's, a, it's the same thing, you know, interacting with your environment in ways that support your health, your mind, your body, and to be aware, you know, it's like the mental health awareness that a lot of people claim to, you know, to, to support and uh, that's a big part of it is depression. There's a lot of people that are just not happy, and it's not for one particular reason. It's something, a way of life, you know, to feel that way and to, to choose these self-destructive behaviors. People are literally destroying themselves, and it's very, very hard to get out of it. You know, very hard to stop. It tends to just get worse and worse. The person chooses things that actually uh and you know just just make the whole situation even worse than it was giving them even more reasons to be depressed and you've got to break those patterns you know it's just a part of the process without a doubt is breaking those patterns whichever way you do it i just know for me experiencing depression it's very difficult to break those patterns. Um, that's what that's what I was. If you're a person who, someone, you know, you're struggling with something, and someone someone says, "Well, just get over it," you know, just let it go. It's it's like you, you wish you could, you know. It's like, all right, I, I just let it go as it continues to eat away at my life, you know. And that's a big part of what I've been learning about emotion, is that it's. It will still live with you, even if you explain it away with logic or you suppress it, you put it into the back burner. It will still affect your life and how you, how you feel and whether you lead a, live a, a fulfilling life. So it, it does pay to our benefit to explore, you know, explore those things and to um, get in touch with where we actually stand emotionally, mentally, um, it's something that I would always say and just thought was normal that, you know, I just didn't feel that satisfied with life. I, I think I was always trying to always trying to figure out if I could do something. You know, that's what my mom would always say I was a jack of all trades. Was because and, and I as I explored this more recently, the insight that came to me was that I'm really I get a I get a kick out of seeing something I can't do and and proving to myself that I can do it. After I do that, I don't want to keep doing the thing. I'm, I'm just not satisfied with doing the thing in and of itself. I want to see, can I do it? And then I, and then I 
I'm, you know, I'm not interested in it anymore. So what that led me to was a life where I'm always trying to prove that I'm good enough, but never feeling good enough, you know, and never, uh, nothing else ever feeling good enough for me either, you know, because almost, almost like proving to myself I was capable enough times, I don't feel the need to even prove I'm capable anymore, which leaves me nothing to be excited about, you know, just generally not happy about, oh, if I keep working at this, I can just get even better and then I can just make even more money and be even more happy and then accomplish all my goals. And then, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm kind of just would rather not, you know, it's just like, it seems like this whole thing is just dragging out and, you know, just realizing how depressed of a way of looking at things that is, you know, instead of just feeling like, I guess that's just the way I feel, you know, or just because of whatever, you know, what happened to me or what, no, it's because the person is depressed and depression is a way of life. And if you don't realize that, then you, it'd be hard to get out of it, you know? And, uh, you know, that's about it. Thank you, Ray. Really appreciate that. Very informative. But like you said about kids, if they uh, feel that nobody cares in their life, that will automatically show patterns in their life of uh, low self-esteem and low self-acceptance, which will perpetuate other feelings, such as, uh, you know, they won't... Uh, they doubt themselves all the time. They have a sense of uh, not wanting to speak up, make choices, things of that nature. And lots of times when someone has, like a child has or anybody has a, a low self-worth and low self-esteem, they have feelings of abandonment. And that is that definitely projects into, you know, things such as fear of failure which uh, is feelings of lack of follow-through, taking accountability for them, their self in their life, and never really making decisions in their life for, for themselves. And uh, it, it, that starts at a young age, usually from birth until seven years old, where they learn their uh, personality and low self-worth and self-esteem. And uh, it's really something that you got to identify and, and correct it, or otherwise it'll follow you through your whole life, you know. But uh, that was a very, very good talk. And uh, let me go ahead and um, say something to Jody. Jody? Yeah, I'm here. Have you uh, noticed kids in your life that... Uh, had a, a very little uh, acceptance and low self-worth and uh, didn't like to follow through in things and make decisions and always having a sense of uh, uh, nothingness when it comes to themselves? Um, I think, yeah, it's probably more, maybe more common now with kids, just, you know, kind of the way, I guess, society in general and things like that they don't really kind of push people anymore they kind of just let them be the way they're at so kind of doesn't leave a whole lot of room for growth and improvement and i've even seen this like in adults even where they 
they feel like they can't do things and they feel like they don't have certain abilities and it holds them back from even trying. So instead of trying to research it and go look and see if they can figure out a solution, they just kind of stay stuck in the answer of, well, I can't. So thanks, Paul. Thank you. You know, since you mentioned that, I I was doing some research today, and I found that over a million kids, millennials, in China, that's where I was getting this research, will not even come out of their bedroom. They Their parents feed them by putting uh, things underneath the door so that they don't even have to come out of the bedroom. They're on the computer all the time. Can you imagine that? Not even coming out of your bedroom, living in an 8 by 10 or whatever small size that is, and uh, not becoming personally involved with the family or anybody else. That's uh, that's incredible, I think. Yeah, and the, um, the uh, studies that I was looking at, they explain this curve. You know, it's depression is increased in kids as well as in the elderly, but that's, you know, to be expected with uh, a lot of people as they get older and you know, start to lose certain abilities and, and start to get closer to, you know, those concerns with health and things like that, that just depression in that sense. And it's, and it's increased all throughout, you know, so the percentage of people that are experiencing some, experiencing some form of clinical depression or uh, these couple, they have other names for like milder forms of depression that are increasing in general, which we all have our uh, thoughts on some of the key things, social media, these, you know, need for approval. Like you guys already mentioned a lot of uh, just the way people are being brought up. A lot of things, you know, a lot to do with low income areas, uh, low funding in schools and, and things like that. But a lot of these things have always existed and just getting worse. So just want to, you know, point that out to that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel myself, I almost feel like uh, I don't recognize my own view on it because I'm only, you know, it only kind of just dawned on me, you know, reading some of the stuff that I've looked at. That it's why a lot of people will refer to it as a disease, you know. It's not just like a, I guess it's, it's, it can be considered a bad attitude, you know. It's a bad way of looking at things except for that the person already looks at it that way. So it's like catch-22, you know. You could tell the person that's not the way to look at it. They probably know it's not. They wish that they could just not look at it like that. But that this strange process of abuse and trauma and not being, um, like you guys said, shown those things so that you don't develop in that way. Instead, you develop all these dysfunctions. You, you develop all these conflicts. And it's very hard for people to deal with, even when they realize that uh, that's the uh, the whole topic of the call about self-destructive behaviors is that they people often realize it's self-destructive. It's just they're emotionally driven to do it. They they wish 
the part of them that's like, man, I wish I just did everything right and was a better person, except for I literally feel compelled to do the opposite. And, I, and, it's, and it's, easy, it's easy to say, just do the right thing. Yeah, you'd love to. But you also you feel like you're dying inside if you resist these, you know, these urges to do the opposite in some form. You know, it's not like you just possess to leave the house and drive drunk a hundred down the highway and crash into somebody. But even subtle self-destructive behaviors that aren't as extreme but still work against the person. It's just interesting how all these things can develop in such complex ways. But if you look at it, there's a lot of similarities. It's it, it could be almost simplified and summarized to trauma, you know, repeated repeated traumas develop in the person as a way of life, a way of thinking and feeling about themselves. And once that gets in there, and then they you start the cycle of self-destructive behaviors, which makes them feel even worse. It's just a thing that they're, it, uh, I've been a person who have suppressed a lot of the way I felt about a lot of things throughout childhood and things like that. And I figured out how to just make it better, you know, figured it, you know, figured out and made up my mind that I was going to do something different. But that's something that I've just been going back and forth with in the, in the past, you know, recently that, it's easy to say whenever you're in that state of mind, you know, it's like, man, you know, people just need to figure it out. I know. Cause I did. Yeah. Until you didn't or until you thought you didn't don't or until you have never, uh, then it just sounds good, but it doesn't do anything. You know, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to me because, uh, like I said, just cause I've always felt that way. And now I don't, and uh, ashwagandha, it shows, it's one, it's, it's an adaptogen, which they tend to, they affect your, your nervous system, your, the functioning of your central nervous system. So like a person that tends to be a little bit more anxious, it can, t- over time, you know, this is one of those things that takes a week or two to get into your system, but will help to calm that person or if a person that doesn't have as much energy will stimulate that person a little bit and has shown signs to decrease depression over time, um, which is something that I've always thought was, a, it just always was a cool herb to me and its benefits and, and all that. I just never got into consistently taking it, which is another thing, you know, like doing things like that that I find out that would be good for me but just never doing it. That's also changing. Now it just seems something I've been thinking about a lot recently that it should be fun, you know, to do the things that, mm-hmm. especially like going to work, you know, making money. Um, it don't have to be so hard. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, such a chore. You know, it's it's actually a benefit to us in a way uh, for, for whatever reason, whatever we're getting out of it. You know, just like um, – for me, I used to think like, oh, I don't want to take all these different vitamins and have to do this every day. But now it's becoming a, a, a joy, you know? Yeah, that's it. We talked about kids earlier. When when the parents don't want to take the time to help them with school or anything else, and of course they're going to feel a sense of abandonment. 
because, you know, when no one has a tendency to show someone that they care or love them, you know, they feel abandoned. And uh, that's why one out of every four young people uh, try to commit suicide, you know. If you don't feel like that you are special or that nobody cares, it's a hard, it's a hard bite, you know, to, to accept. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, in my early age in life, I struggled with that. But over the years, I come to identify and confront it and did the opposite. Realized that I am somebody, that uh, I am worthy and worthwhile. And uh, it's something you just got to, like I said earlier, identify no matter what age you are. And uh, look at the fact of confronting yourself and stop comparing yourself to everybody else and just become proactive. Do the opposite of what you always have been taught to believe your perceived reality was. Anything else? Want anyone want to uh, say anything before we get off tonight? Sure, Paul. I think, yeah, Ray, that was a really good presentation. And like you said, you know, we learn a lot of these habits from our past program conditioning. And for me in my past, I've seen some of these destructive behaviors such as like alcohol or eating too much, eating bad food really, and isolation, like Paul mentioned, you know. And once you start to not really bounce your ideas off of other people, you kind of get stuck in your head. And we always say, you know, we're, we're our own worst enemy. So, you know, and then that not feeling good enough, people get stuck, you know, in their jobs. They get stuck in relationships. They get stuck hanging around with the same friends and stuck doing those same destructive behaviors. And like Paul said, that identify, confront, and be proactive is really key to kind of finding those things, writing them down, confronting them, figuring out where they came from, and then, you know, like Ray said, being proactive and, and just doing it, you know. And there's a lot of different solutions for depression and PTSD and things like that and mental health where anything from, you know, just doing something, just getting started, like whether it's exercise or changing your diet or something new like meditation or journaling, like there's so much information out there on those different techniques that people don't really explore because they just think, well, it's not for me, so they don't really try it. And, you know, Ray mentioned, like, microdosing. I think um, Joe Rogan did a podcast and talked about some of that. And there's some, there's um, some pretty good clinical studies out there with people with severe PTSD where they'll go through some different clinical studies, some therapy, and they'll be able to kind of do it in a very controlled manner um, in order to prevent people from abusing those substances and things like that. And when you start to explore deeper parts of your brain that you may have hid away or blocked away as a self-defense mechanism, you know, it's going to be kind of traumatic in order to get over that. And so it's good to, when you do that, to be like around, you know, someone that can kind of analyze that, somebody that can kind of monitor you, because there's a lot of different people and a lot of different ways they react to different substances. So not everything's like an end-all, be-all for everybody. So it's, it's good to figure out what works, try what you can, and then 
figure out a solution. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, uh, Jody. It's, it's just like veterans. You know, uh, it's estimated that 22 veterans a day commit suicide. I mean, that's a shame. I mean, you don't have to be a veteran to have PTSD. Everybody has, you know, in one way or the other has some sort of PTSD. But 22 veterans commit suicide every single day, you know. And you've just got to learn to observe people and look at their conditions. You know, look at the homeless people out there. A lot of them are people who just has given up. To them, nobody cares. So why should they, you know? And uh, it's a situation we should all uh, look at and uh, do something about, you know? Because we're in this world together. If something happens to one, it happens to all of us, directly or indirectly. And, you know, we need to start perpetuating externalizing ourselves and giving more of ourselves to others than to not doing it at all. I think this was a very, very good uh, conference call this evening. Thank you, uh, Ray, for the presentation and Jody for, you know, uh, participating and expressing your uh, opinion and everything. Is there anything else we want to talk about this evening before we get off the line? All right, gang. Uh, don't forget next week, 7.30 on Thursday. Uh, make sure you tell your family, your friends, and most of all, your enemies uh, to be online and call 518-992-1035 and put in access code 655-145. Be safe. Be real. See you next week, Thursday at 7.30. Bye-bye.